Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome back to the Grown Your Team podcast. So I love the fact that Facebook shows you memories. And some of the memories that I'm seeing recently, of course, I'm always seeing pictures of my kids and think funny things that they say, so those are great. But some of the things that they're showing me is 11 years ago, I was getting ready to leave a very toxic job where I was like, I need to get out of here. This is not good for my mental health. It's not good for my sanity. And then it was actually 11 years ago, I think today, that I was giving the offer to start at the corporate company that really shaped the rest of my career, that gave me the ability and the positions and the opportunity to learn everything that I now go and teach small businesses when it comes to leading teams and hiring. So seeing these over the these um, memories over the the last few days and everything really kind of sparked me to be like, okay, like let me reflect back on this time. Let me reflect back of why I needed to get out of this company so desperately and why for the longest time I then had this thing of, I don't know if I want to be a business owner anymore because every experience I've had with being a, 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 with small businesses, especially woman-ran small businesses, was toxic leading up to this point. And there's so much that you can learn from these, these experience as a business owner because you don't want your employees, your team members, the people working for you walking away with these same feelings that it's miserable working for a small business, especially I know in this group we have a lot of female business owners that it's horrible working for a female business owner because of they really don't know how to lead. They don't know how to run a company. Like there's so many things that you don't want. You want to build this great relationship with your team members. You want to have the right team members. You want people to be excited about working for you and moving your business forward. And this experience was the complete opposite. I, like I said, I had um, these feelings around, especially small businesses and women ran small businesses because I also had an internship that I won't really get into much today that kind of had some of these same things going on. So it took a while for me once I left here to really understand that I had the ability to be a completely different type of small business owner, that I didn't have to be like these people and create these environments that were created for me, that I could be different, and that there were so many small businesses out there that were providing a completely different opportunity and experience to their team members. But today I want to share with you four mistakes that were made in this business that really led to this negative toxic environment and how you can avoid them within your business. Because these things are actually things I see in some of my clients, some of the things that they're doing. And they might not be doing all four or at the same scale, but when you start off doing any of these, it can quickly become the snowball effect to lead to this toxic environment. So let's get into it. All right, 
So the very first thing was the job I was hired for didn't match the job I actually was expected to do. So I worked for this company for a year and a half. I was hired in a marketing and PR position and the entire time I worked there, besides doing like one project that was like tweaks to the website, I only did two marketing and PR related projects. Two. The entire year and a half I was there. And it wasn't like these were big, long, drawn out marketing and PR projects that took a lot of time. These were marketing and PR projects that took about maybe two days each. So an entire year and a half, I did about four days worth of work that matched the job description that I was hired for. Instead, the position turned into pretty much a project management position. So this was definitely something I was not expecting. Didn't go in here uh, wanting to do this type of work, but I was kind of put in this role. And one of the things that kept me in that role was this was in the middle of the recession. There weren't a whole lot of opportunities out there. There were some benefits about working for this company. Uh, we got to work from home a lot. You know, there was other things going on where I was just like, okay, and there kept being the promise, oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. As soon as you're done with this project, as soon as we launch this, we'll get to that. As soon as we launch this, we'll get to that. We have to get this into market before we can market. And it just turned into this thing where we were always waiting for the next thing to happen so we could get to marketing and PR. Their business was not at the point where they were really ready to have an internal full-time marketing and PR person, but they jumped to do it because that's what they thought they needed. So they hired someone for something that then never matched anything that they did. And I was kind of like, okay. By the end, I was like, I've been strung along long enough. This is not what I want to be doing. I want to I want to be doing something else. And who knows? Maybe at the end of the day because it was the recession I would have taken the job anyway. The job I went into after that, it was a lot of account management kind of project management type work and this had a lot of experience here that led to that. But I took that next job and everything because I knew what I was getting into when I went into it. This one, I was promised something that they would never deliver. And you don't want to do that to your team members. You need to be very clear about what you're hiring for and hiring a person who can do that job and wants to do that job. It is not fair for the person you hire to come in and swap things to say, okay, I know we hired you for this, but we really don't have any work around that. So we need you to do this. You know, what some one-off thing where you're going to hire someone for something diff or have them do something different than what's on their job posting is fine. Day in and day out is not okay. You really need to figure out what type of help you need and hire the person who's going to help you do that work. If you don't need that help in a full-time capacity, hire part-time. Hire some off, someone for one-off project. Don't hire someone for one position and then expect them to be happy and stay with you long-term doing something else every day. Okay. So then thing number two that they did that really made this a toxic environment was they really didn't do anything to set up expectations or to re-communicate expectations, which made it so when I did do these two marketing and PR projects, I kind of, I was so frustrated by the end. So the first one was they told me to create something 
and I created it. And all I was told by the person I turned it into, so this was a small business, it was a husband and wife, and then there was myself and one other full-time employee. So it was a four-person company. So I completed what I was supposed to, I turned it in, and all I was told was, no, we're not going to use that. Nothing else. And I'm here like, wait, you just had me do it. I'm like, so you're saying there's no longer a need for this? And they're like, no, there's a need. We're just not going to do what you did, use what you did. And I was like, okay, explain to me why. And it was just like, I don't like it. Explain to me why. I had to fight to get the why. I had to fight to find out why what I provided per the directions I was given did not match the expectations to be used. And I kept having to say, if you want me to do better next time, I need to know. Like I was young, right out of college. So obviously I am not the top expert of the field. They knew that when they were hiring me. They knew I was fresh out of college. So I obviously don't have all the insight and don't have all the information, don't have all the knowledge, haven't been with their company very long. So I don't, I don't know everything that I need to know. I don't know all their expectations, all their wants, everything about their business yet, because this is very, very fresh and to me starting there. But instead of them giving me more information to help me help me learn, to help me grow, to help me see why what I did didn't match expectations so I could adjust it or I could do better next time, they just shut it down of like, nope, we're not going to use this. And I was left like, okay, now I don't know what to do next time a project comes my way. Of course, there really wasn't a next project coming my way, as I already said it, because they weren't in a position to market anything else. But it was still like... I was left there being like, okay. And do you know how it feels to be brand new in a position and someone telling you that they're not, they don't like your work, they're not going to use your work and won't give you any feedback on it. And you're like, am I even going to still have a job tomorrow? Are they getting ready to fire me? So it started like all these kind of negative feelings of like, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing now. You know, I feel like I failed and I'm about ready to be fired and nobody will tell me why. So then we go on to the next marketing project that I was involved in. And this one, they didn't have me create anything. It was, can you review it for us? So I said, okay, I'm going to go review it. The person who, this was one of the owners of the company who had me review it, didn't actually want someone to review it. I think they wanted someone just to kind of like proofread it versus reviewing it from a marketing perspective. And this thing, this, what they had me review, the feedback I gave was, this is not going to work for your target audience. It is so off basis. And once again, the person completely shut me down. They're like, that's not what I wanted you to do. You're pretty much supposed to proofread it. We're running it. And I was just like, okay, okay but, and I had to keep fighting, but this is not like you, help me understand. Help me understand. You're telling me that your target audience is this but you are putting something together to market to someone completely over here. Is this your target audience over here or is this your target audience? Because if this is your target audience, this will never work. You're supposed to be targeting to executive level people in corporations and you're putting something together that looks like a cheap late night infomercial. If this comes across their desk, they're not even gonna look at it because they're gonna say, they want me to pay how much for that? No, it doesn't match what you're trying to put out. It doesn't match the product that you actually have. Your product is of quality. But 
they wouldn't listen to me. The expectations weren't there. They, they were so much of my way or the highway. If you don't match it 100%, we're just going to scrap it. My opinion matters. No communication back and forth about expectations, how things were not meeting expectations, how to do things differently, how to do things better. It was, you have one chance, you don't meet it. We're scrapping that project. Or we don't like what you have to say. We're not going to listen. We're not going to have that discussion of saying, okay, here's what you thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. How do we get the person to the other side or how do we compromise? There was nothing like that, which made it so I was kind of in a way glad that these were the only two marketing projects because I didn't know, and even at this point, still didn't know what to do, how to get to the, what would be approved, what was expected because there was no communication there. Okay. So then number three, so all that really was upfront beginning, kind of got in the groove of just doing the project management work that was going on, hoping, hearing lies over and over again that soon we'd be working on these marketing projects, soon we would be, we would be there, but not really happening. And then it was the last few months that I was working there and things started to get really toxic. There was this incident that happened right before I left. You know, there was all these little things going on, all these little things going on. And right before I left, there was this incident that happened and it involved like one of the business owners was involved. The other business owner who was actually my boss wasn't involved. She was told one thing that was not the truth. And instead of trying to uncover what the truth was or to gather more information, I wake up on a Monday morning to an email that says, I am very disappointed in your, in your behavior here. We need to have a very, very constructive feedback conversation. So give me a call when you log on. Because we were working from home at this point in time. And I was just like, wait, what? What happened? I don't even know what she's talking about. And this point in time, like I said, it was already toxic environment. I'm already wanting to quit and actually was like in tears being like, I don't even want to log on today. Like, I just want to call out. I just want to quit. Like, I can't believe I'm being treated this way. I have no idea what I did. I have no idea what she's even referring to. I can't think of anything that happened on Friday that would promote this type of reaction to me. There's no information in here. There's I like, I don't, I don't understand. I was finally got myself together and I said, okay, I'm on, like sent my boss an email. I was like, all right, I'm on. Let me know when you're available and we'll jump on a call. Once she found out, like once we talked to the situ through the situation and I heard like what was going on, I was like, that's not what happened. Here's what happened. She was like, oh, I guess you didn't do anything wrong. I know everything was fine there, but yet. I woke up to this email about how I needed to have a very constructive feedback conversation because apparently I, she, well, she did say in there, I lied. I did all this stuff. Like I lied and I was just like, so she jumped all over me for something that wasn't even the truth, that wasn't even factual because she didn't have the information. And one of the things that I tell my clients all the time is things are things are going to happen in your business with your team members that are going to piss you off. That you something you can have the most amazing team member in the world and something's going to happen and it's going to make you mad. And you're going to want to yell at your team member. You're going to want to have all these emotions and I say do not yell at your team member. Do not have an emotional conversation with your team member. If you need to get your emotions out, call me because I know you're not pissed at me. You're mad at them, you're mad at the situation. Call me. 
I'll listen, get your feelings out, and then we'll talk about how to approach the conversation. And typically, almost every one of these conversations, they don't have all the information yet. So I say, okay, you need to go have a conversation with your team member around gathering information. So you can approach it. What would have been better for this team member, or for, yeah, for this boss, would be to approach it and say, hey, um, a situation on Friday was brought to my attention. I'm still trying to figure out what happened. Can we get on a phone call so I can see what the situation was, what actually occurred, and then I can decide from there what the next steps need to be. And maybe the next steps were, okay, now I understand. I got all the information. We're good. Maybe the next steps are, okay, Jamie, you really did something wrong. Here's how, here's the feedback of how we're going to address that. Here's the consequences of, of your behavior. But instead of jumping in and getting mad and getting angry and having those anger-filled conversations when you don't have all the facts, you need to gather the information. You need to figure out what actually happened, why things happened, and then create the path for moving forward. Sometimes that is disciplinary action. Sometimes it is letting a team member go. Sometimes it's creating processes so things like that don't happen again. Sometimes it's realizing that you as the business owner didn't actually provide the training and lay forth the expectations that someone needed in order to do things right. So sometimes you understand that, gosh, we're all human and sometimes we make human errors. You know, we thought we did one thing, we thought we clicked this thing, we accidentally clicked this thing, and it happens. How do we now you know, prevent things from happening again that seem like there's a risk for them to happen again? And how do we move forward? How do we correct what's going on? But we can't approach situations with anger with our team members before we have the facts because it creates situations like that where I'm just like, I was kind of flabbergasted in a way. Like I was sitting there saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand, and now I'm terrified to get on a call with my boss who's ready to give me all this constructive feedback that I don't actually think I deserve, that I need. So you can't go in and create your this environment where your team members are terrified to get on a call with you. To te- they're terrified to explain a situation because then people hold things back. They don't tell you things. They make up things. They try to make the situation better. You need to approach things where you're fact gathering and getting information so you can make educated, informed decisions about what needs to happen. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about which is actually one of the big things about this this position that that was a huge mistake that at first I was ignorant to. Then once I learned about it, kind of let it continue going on until the end where I decided I was done and I needed to stand up for myself. And I was already done. I was already, you know, after the situation where I get this email about I need constructive feedback, had already started job hunting. And so at this point in time, I had already decided that I was working remotely from my parents' like house in New York, that once I got back down to Florida, that I was turning in my two-week notice no matter if I had another job or not. So when this situation kind of came to a head, I was already checked out and ready to be out of there, which also means, once again, I was young in my career and stuff like that. There's things that happen that I'm not necessarily proud of, but this was all leading up to because this, 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 excuse me, this employer made this huge mistake from the beginning. And that mistake was, They hired me as an independent contractor 
when I was clearly an employee. And I see so many small business owners do this because there's so much misinformation out there where people are telling you, just hire an independent contractor, just hire an independent contractor so you don't have to deal with those employer-related taxes. Some positions can be hired as an independent contractor. You can hire that freelancer. You can hire that one-off contractor. You can build those relationships where it's not an employee. Other positions have to be employees. And the difference is who really owns the control. If you're owning the control of the relationship, this is per the IRS, per the EEOC, then you have an employee. If they own the control of the relationship, it can be an independent contractor. So you necessarily don't get to decide. It's what the IRS and the EEOC decide based on what you need and how you structure the position. There are things where you might need the same type of help, the same outcome, and you can structure the position differently to have it either be an employee position or an independent contractor position, but you need to really know and understand the difference. And honestly, what I believe is that this employer 100% understood the difference and was just trying to get out of paying those employee level taxes. That was passing them on to me, that was passing it on to their other employees that they had. And here's how this happened. So like I said, at the beginning, I was ignorant to this. Like most people, until you ever hear about independent contractors and are educated on it and researched it, you probably really have no idea what that means. So here I am out of college, going and getting my first time, full, first full-time job. And when they presented the, the position to me, they said, this position has this type of uh, tax classification. They're like, it, it's just a different type of class, uh, excuse me, it's just a different type of tax classification. It means nothing else. You just file your taxes this way instead of this way. And I said, okay, because I didn't know any different. I never had a full-time job before. There could be 12 million different types of tax classifications of how like your taxes are taken out and how your money gets submitted to the IRS and all that stuff. And I would have no idea because it wasn't my area of expertise. I had never been involved with it before. Any other position I had before was a part-time job. I got a paycheck at the end of the year. I sent the information to my mom who did my taxes. Like I was never involved in that stuff. I had no clue. So when they're telling me is this is what the job is, and one, I am just happy because it's the recession and I'm finding a full-time job that I believe is going to be what I want, I'm just like, okay, whatever. You can tell me whatever. I am taking this job. I am happy about it. So it wasn't until about a year later, because I started this job in March, so it wasn't until tax time the next year where my mom was doing my taxes and her being like, why are you an independent contractor? And I'm like, well, because that's what they told me I needed, I was, like this job was. You know, they explained to me that I needed to submit quarterly taxes. I've been submitting quarterly taxes, so here's what I've been submitting in taxes, but that's, that's what it is. And then she's like, you're not an independent contractor. Do you actually know the difference? And I'm like, no. So she explained to me what the difference was. She explained to me, you know, my dad was a business owner, um, you know, so they they were really informed about it. I was like, okay, um, so what do I do? And my mom's like, well, you probably really have two choices here. If you like the job, just suck it up and deal with it. Be or you can go and approach them to approach them about it, but chances are if you approach them about it, they most likely know that they have you misclassified and they're most likely going to let you go and just hire someone else that wants that's 
ignorant to the classification. So if you like the job and you want to stay it, you know, you can just be quiet about it. And I decided that that's what I was going to do. Because at that point in time, even though I was, I was still being pulled along by the promise that next week, next month, you're going to be doing all these marketing projects, that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Even though I'd been there a year and I'd only done two projects. So I was being strung along and I was like, okay, I'm just going to stick it out. Also, I decided I was going to stick it out because at this point in time, I'd been there a year and had already received three raises. So I was like, okay, I keep making more money here. They say it's coming. There's all these promises. I'm just going to stick it out. Well, of course, then, like I said, after that year, it really started turning into a toxic environment. And it was at the very end. So I'm already deciding that I'm going. They start being very um, overly controlling, I guess would be the word for it. And so, like I said, like the one thing about the difference between an employee and independent contractor is who owns the control of the relationship. So they started, you know, owning the control of the relationship to extremely trying to own the control of the relationship. And I was done and I stood up for myself and said, I'm an independent contractor. You don't have the right to tell me that. And then it turned into this whole big thing. Um, You know, there was actually the... There's more to it than I think I've gone through it, um, that experience a little bit more. But there was there was these all these things that happened this last day that I was working there. And I finally stood up and I said, no, you don't you cannot tell me that you cannot own that control. If you're going to have me as an independent contractor, this is the way the relationship needs to work. And then they decided, well, if you want to be treated like an independent contractor, we're just ending the contract. And I was just like, oh, my God, did I just get fired? But oh my God, thank God I just got fired because I was planning on quitting anyway. And the next uh, the next day I got the job offer that I was going to be, I was going to be going to work for this corporate company. So you don't want to misclassify your workers. You need to really understand what is going on. And one of the things that I know I talked a little bit about in the past about this with the misclassification is when you misclassify your workers, when someone is an employee, you pay employee ta- like employee level taxes. Um, when you, you, someone is an independent contractor, which you probably know because you're a business owner yourself, they pay those taxes. So there's the two parts of the taxes, the part the, if you're employee, the business owner pays and the part that the employee pays that gets taken out of their paycheck. But when you're an independent contractor, you pay both parts. And I had told this person that I was like, okay, I'm, Everything about this relationship has me as an employee, which means you're responsible for these taxes. I want you to pay, give me the money to go towards these taxes or reclassify me. And they refused to. And I said, okay, if you don't, I'm going to turn you into the IRS because you should be responsible for these taxes, not me. And with that, they they called me my bluff and, and I did. And your team members can do the same. If you misclassify someone as an independent contractor when they're an employee, You never know when someone's going to turn you into the IRS and you are going to be penalized. Not only are you going to have to go back and pay, excuse me, past taxes that you should have paid. If these taxes are late, you pay penalties on them and you'll also get fined because the fact that you had people misclassified. So all of a sudden it's three different layers of money that you're paying out to the IRS where you should have just been having your team members classified right to start with. So you really need to understand the difference between employees and independent contractors. I know I've done a few podcast episodes 
where we've shared the difference, talked about the difference. And there's a lot of education and information out there that can really help you figure out the difference because it's always cheaper to have the right classification on your team members than to deal with the fines, penalties, back taxes, or anything else that will come about because you misclassify. And if you ever have any questions on that, that's definitely something you want to talk to someone who's really, really experienced in it. Some of those, some of the things are really simple where it's like, oh no, this is clearly an employee. This is clearly an independent contractor. Other ones are a little bit more complicated where you are going to want to speak to a lawyer or someone who is highly specialized in the area to help you work through that gray area. To wrap up today, I was sharing with you four mistakes that my first full-time employer made that really turned it into a toxic small business relationship that kind of made it so I didn't want to work for a small business again and even kind of was afraid of becoming a small business owner myself because I didn't want to create these relationships with a team member of my own. So you want to avoid these in your business. You want to do things right so you can keep moving forward, growing the business the way that you need to and have that support that you need. So just to quickly recap, the four mistakes were not having the job posting actually match the job that you need performed within your business. Second was not really setting clear expectations and not helping to educate your team member when they don't meet your expectations. When you educate them on why things don't match your expectations, they're more likely to do it right the next time and less likely to have that fear of, oh my gosh, I'm getting fired because I did something wrong once. Third is Make sure when something, when you think there was a mistake, when you think something went wrong, that you're actually gathering all the information you need to make an informed decision versus going out high emotion and scaring your employees, making creating this negative relationship with your employees when all you needed to do is gather information to really understand what happened, why it happened, and how the business or you need to move forward. And then fourth is not actually understanding the difference between employees and independent contractors and misclassifying your team. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Are you ready to be happy with your team's performance and not have managing your team take all of your time? If so, then you need to download the Ultimate Expectations Checklist. You understand the benefits of having a team, but you're not sure how to get them to do what you want and how you want it. With this checklist, you can be successful in setting and managing expectations, and you can have a high-performing, high-producing team that is going to help you gain time back so you can focus on the parts of your business that you love. So head on over to growingyourteam.com slash expectations dash checklist and get your free copy of the ultimate expectations checklist. As I always like to say, if you don't set the expectations, your team members will. And the majority of the time, their expectations will not match yours. If you want to have team members that perform well for your business and you want team members that don't drain all your time, then you need this checklist. By using the Ultimate Expectations Checklist, your company can thrive, 
your team members will be happy and you will see the positive value of each team member without having to spend all your time on management tasks. Yes, you can have time again to focus on what you love about your business. So head on over to growingyourteam.com slash expectations dash checklist and get your free copy of the ultimate expectations checklist today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.